Welcome to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, the show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. You might be thinking, what is a mystical business owner? Well, if you're working as a tarot card reader, astrologer, Reiki healer, intuitive counselor, oracle medium, or if you're doing any kind of spiritual or mystical art as part of your profession, we are talking about you. And I'm Teresa, the Tarot Lady. And I'm Bree. So we have both been self-employed sacred artists running our own businesses for decades upon decades. We know exactly what goes into running successful businesses, and we know how much heart, grit, and hustle it takes to get your business afloat and keep things rocking along. So we do this show together once a month because we love sharing the business strategies that we've learned and implemented over the years, and we love seeing our fellow mystics thrive and succeed. Absolutely, and in each episode of Talking Shop, we tackle different topics that might be of interest to people who are in these metaphysical industries, and this year we're focusing a lot on books because we both have books coming out, and we know books are you know, something that our fellow metaphysical friends really talk about a lot. There's a lot of people who want to be authors or who are authors, and they are really looking to... Um, make the most out of it or, you know, get their foot in the door. So today what our topic is is how to turn your book into a workshop. So I want to thank you for tuning in to listen. We're going to get this show started. And, you know, Bree, this is my theory. I think books are calling cards. They pave the way for you to get your foot in the door. They're like street cred. You know, when people hear you have a book out, whether it's traditional published or self-published, it really is saying, I'm an expert. Here's the information that I'm sharing. This is what I'm all about. And one of the best ways to really make the most out of it and go through those doors and open ourselves up and our books up and our audience and all that is through doing workshops based around our writing. So one of the things I want to ask you, Bree, is how are you planning on turning your book into a workshop? Ah, such a good question. So with Making Magic, which is my book, Making Magic, Weaving Together the Everyday and the Extraordinary, um, you know, one of the one of the big benefits of my book is that there are a ton of rituals throughout the book. So every chapter has two rituals and then there are up to three smaller kind of mini rituals that each chapter has. So there's a lot of hands-on material to work with. But when I sat down and I decided that I wanted to create a workshop out of my book, I actually decided not to pull from any of the specific rituals or ceremonies that I have in making magic. What I decided to do was to create a completely original workshop that uh, takes the same viewpoint that I write about in making magic. So looking at ordinary objects, ordinary things that we do on a daily basis and creating a workshop that focuses on how to just kind of change our approach, change our angle to these very ordinary things and discover how magical they are. So in my workshop that comes out of Making Magic, 
we actually work with the concept of fortune. Fortune, of course, was an ancient Roman goddess, and she had many different faces and many different forms. So there was the good fortune of being the firstborn child. There was the good fortune of getting married. There was the good fortune of having robust physical health. And then, of course, there was the good fortune that we associate with money and with wealth building. So in my workshop, I decided to start with that theme of luck and fortune and then focus on one everyday object that we pretty much all come into contact with daily, which is our wallets and our billfolds. Mm -hmm. And so my workshop is about learning how to take this everyday object, your wallet, your billfold, your checkbook, and the cash in your pocket, and magically tweak things so that you create a sacred vessel with your wallet or your billfold, and it becomes this touch point and this talisman that allows you to open up into greater wealth and better luck and better fortune. And so that was how I workshopped my book. I didn't, again, like the big thing to emphasize is I didn't pull directly from the book. I looked at what the book was saying, and then I thought, what, what you know, new and fresh material could I take and apply this book's message to? And for me, the answer was really obvious because I'm always pulling out my billfold to write a check or to pay for groceries or whatever. So I thought, you know, this is, is a great place to focus, and everybody has this pretty much. So... That was that was my approach. What about you, Teresa? How have you turned it? Because, you know, you have a book published. You have a couple more coming out. How are you planning on turning your books into workshops? Well, you know, one of the things that, that I did with the tarot coloring book, for example, was think about some of the basic themes that the book is covering. And right. so for, for um, the tarot coloring book, you know, it was really a book geared towards beginners. So I really focused all of my workshops on intro to tarot because it really works well with the book, and that way the book can also um, be a companion for people who are beginners. But the other theme that I discovered through the book was creativity because, you know, coloring, we may not think of it as a real creative act. And so creating creative workshops around tarot was the other thing that I came up with. So I did an intuitive painting class with Chris Zidell, which was so popular. We're actually running it a third time. I created a tarot and writing workshop with Sarah Selecki, who wrote Radiant Shimmering Light. It's a fabulous novel that I think everybody needs to read. And I also connected with um, Danielle Cohen, our photographer that we both work with, and we did a tarot and photography workshop twice. You know, so those are themes that I got from the tarot coloring book. Now, with Tarot for Troubled Times, it's a different book. It's a really heavy book. It's all about healing. It's about shadow work. It's, you know, not some lighthearted book. So the classes that I created out of that were all based on shadow work, which is a big theme in the book. So I'm teaching a lot of classes around tarot and the shadow, <laughs> excuse me, and, you know, working around um, healing stuff. So all the classes are really work the, that I'm teaching around that book are working within that theme. So everything I'm going to be teaching uh, this year for Tarot for, for Troubled Times is that. And for the next book, which is coming out, 
um, which is astrology for real life, you know, well, that's, that's a no-brainer. I am going to be teaching, it's a beginner's astrology book, so I'm, I'm creating a bunch of beginning astrology classes uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people that are really intimidated, and the whole concept also behind astrology for real life was this is going to be a book for people who want a fun way to learn learn astrology. It's a workbook. It's lighthearted. It's still got some serious stuff in there, but it's going to take the intimidation factor out. So my goal is to be, you know, using that book as a platform for really getting people in the door. I like to say that I'm the gateway drug for tarot and astrology, and then I can point them towards the places that are going to be really hardcore serious if they're looking to really get scholarly. So that's how I've um, pulled workshops out of my books. Is I look for the central theme and go from there. Beautiful. I love it. So I want to talk about the opposite direction. Tarot for Troubled Times started out not as a book, but as a workshop. So how do you turn a workshop into a book? I think this is such a great question because how many people have you talked to, I'm sure as many as I have, who have amazing classes and workshops, and then if you ask them, well, have you written a book or have you thought about writing a book, they're like, oh, no, I don't have any ideas for a book, or, oh, I, you know, I, I, I would never write a book. You know, that's, that's not my thing. But as it turns out, if you've taught a class or a workshop, you may already have the material for a book. So how, how did that process happen, Teresa? Yeah, and that, that is a really important thing because there are a lot of people who are out there that are teaching things you know, like, um, for example, V from Red Light Readings is teaching all-day divination, and we talked about it on my Tarot Bites uh, podcast. I think she should write a book about it. I do. I think that can mm-hmm. become a book. Uh, Al Walrez is teaching uh, workshops on timing in Tarot. Why isn't that a book? You know, it could be a self-published book, whatever. So, you know, those are some people who are doing things that I think are very interesting. And Tarot for Troubled Times, the way it came about is, Shaheen Miro and I connected at one of my events that I did. And we had already known each other online, but when we met in person, we really hit it off. Shaheen is like, I like to say he's walking magic. He is like one of the most magical beings that I know. And so we were just, you know, right off the bat, we got along like a house on fire, and we started discussing that we really wanted to, you know, find something to teach together. And so we started really discussing ideas, and right after the last election, there were a lot of people really flipping out and feeling pretty beat up and scared about, you know, the world. And so I noticed that with my business, and Shaheen noticed that. And so we decided, you know, let's do a let's do a workshop on Tarot for Troubled Times. And the whole concept behind the workshop was working with the archetypes of the major arcanas as birth cards, which is based on the the brilliant work of Mary Greer. But we also you know, came up with ideas on how to look at um, the shadow side of the major arcana and also the shadow side of the major arcana and how it might be applying to what's happening in the world and how you can show up as uh, an archetype that makes sense for you so that you can heal yourself but also make a difference in the world. Um, so we came up with this really great concept behind it. And, you know, we taught the class. We had a blast teaching it. And what ended up happening is... Uh, Shaheen's publisher, Wiser, asked Shaheen, hey, this is really cool. Could you guys turn that into a book? And so then they reached out to me, and Shaheen and I were both like, yeah, we think we could do it. 
And so that's how it really came together. The publisher approached us about the topic because they thought it was compelling and timely. And so then we were able to take the class, and we were able to add so much more to it. Because, you know, when you're teaching, it's one thing, but when you're writing, you can put in so many other things. So we really started thinking, well, some of the things we wanted to talk about were ritual magic and EFT and, you know, ritual baths and candle burning and other ways that people can facilitate healing. And then we started talking about, you know, um, let's not just focus on things going out of the world. There are other things that people are troubled about right now, like the opioid epidemic. So many people uh-huh. I know are struggling with that, and I've lost friends from it. So, you know, we started really coming up with these other ideas. Well, let's talk about how we can really do other healing. So the whole book began to morph into something much bigger than what the class was, but that's how it all came about. It's like we came together, taught the class, publisher approached us. We started putting it together based on our class materials, but we added a lot of other stuff into it. So that's how it all came together. Mm, I love that. Love it, love it, love it. So, you know, we're talking all about workshops and books, but let me ask you this. Do you think you can find more than one workshop out of a book? And so, and if so, how? I mean, you already told me about your, your wealth thing, which I think is so cool. I want to go to that workshop. <laughs> oh, I, want to, I want my wallet to get blessed. <laughs> you want your wallet? Yes. Everybody should have a magical wallet. Um, so, yeah, I think you absolutely can. I mean, you know, there's two basic ways of thinking about creating content from your book. And I think that's an important thing to put on the table at this point in the conversation, right, is that there's workshops, um, but then there's also blog posts. There is a class series. Maybe there's a video series, right? So when you're, you know, this is something that you want to be thinking of in terms of promoting your book and also in terms of events. You know, we've had another show where we talked about book tours. And so one of the the places where I am uh, hosting these workshops is when I go into a place for signing, for a book signing, right? So so this is something that, you know, is, is both a standalone product that you can have or a standalone service and also at the same time a way to promote your book, and I definitely think that you can get one work, more than one workshop out of a book. I mean, I know in the case of my book, um, and I, I know that this is true for the tarot coloring book as well, Teresa, you know, I could take every single card in the tarot coloring book and I could create a workshop just right. based on that single card. So, I mean, that's 78 workshops, right, like right off the bat. Um, I And that's before we talk about, card combinations or spreads or, you know, tarot and astrology or, you know, or specific um, areas of interest like love or money or health or whatever. Um, For my book, For Making Magic, every single one of those chapters could be a workshop. Probably in in many cases, they could be a couple of different workshops. So, you know, the, the issue to my mind is never... Oh, you know, is, is there is there more than one workshop available? The issue is always kind of like, well, at what point are you going to stop? Right? <laughs> because there are so many ideas 
um, and so many different directions that you can go with the content. And again, you know, the the other approach that you can take is, and Teresa, it sounds like you did this as well with Tarot for Troubled Times, you don't have to pull directly from the book. You can look at, as you said, T, the book's central idea right. and and say, okay, how how do I want to apply that to a current event like the opioid crisis? How do I want to apply that to, you know, uh, it's a big um, concern that a lot of people have right here and right now? Or how do I apply that to a perennial question? You know, and so that's another thing that, that you can do. You know, my book opens with an original retelling of the three bears. Right. And so I could also do a workshop for making magic that's about storytelling and the sacred art of storytelling and and why learning how to tell and retell stories makes us better at magic and at divination and at living enchanted extraordinary lives. So you know, there's a lot of different directions you can go in. So I definitely think you can. What are your thoughts? What do you think about that? Oh, I totally agree. I think, you know, I mean, sometimes maybe the book has one specific theme, and maybe you want to just go with that. But oftentimes, like you said, you can get really creative, and you can find theme after theme after theme in your books. And I'm always surprised when people don't pull more than one thing out of their books, because you can. And also, you know, you can teach. um, The other thing to think about with workshops is there's some workshops that are going to be really appropriate for doing in person, whereas there's other ones you can do online that might be very different. So that's another thing to think about is that um, there's different types of workshops you can do in your book, not just, you know, finding more than one workshop in the book. There's so many different ways you can work with it. I think, you know, the sky's the limit. It's only limited to your imagination. Absolutely. I so completely agree with that. So... Teresa, when we talked about, you know, creating workshops and turning, uh, you know, your book into a workshop or turning your workshop into a book, um, I want to talk for a minute because I know that you love practicalities. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about, I want to talk about the structure of the workshop and, you know, what, so for people who are new to this, what do they need to be thinking about in terms of time, in terms of structure, in terms of content and materials, and even charging uh, for workshops, uh, you know, especially when they are related to a product like a book, right? So, so what, right. what's your advice on that? Well, the first thing is, again, you have to get your idea really fleshed out. And I recommend keeping your idea as concise as possible. The one thing that I see too many people do when they teach is they want to pack in 50 different ideas. Don't do that. I think you want to have one main point, and you want to have people walking away with something that they learn. And you're not going to learn if you're overwhelmed. I I mean, there's nothing worse for me than attending a class or a workshop, and I know the teacher has their heart in it, uh, but or maybe they have good intentions, or maybe they just want to show they're the smartest person in the room. I don't know. But they pack in too much stuff. Don't do that. Get really clear on the central theme of your workshop and what you want people to learn and keep it to no more than three main points. And I think if you do that, 
you're going to be really golden and your students are going to get more out of it. So the first thing is that that is what you want to get really super clear on. And then you should have an absolute structure. And my structures tend to go like this. I always want to do an intro with a little bit of talking. I don't want to spend the whole time lecturing because I'm an experiential learner. I'm not one of those people who learns just by listening. I'm hard of hearing. After a while, if I'm sitting there for two hours listening to you talk, I'm bored. I'm like searching on my cell phone underneath the desk. You know, that's the, that's the fact. It's just the way it works. <laughs> so I really recommend making sure that you don't, you're not just blabbing and blabbing and blabbing and being boring. Make sure that you're talking, but you're in, then you're getting people hands on doing the practices. So let's say, for example, I'm teaching a beginner's tarot workshop. So I might want to start out talking about the history of tarot, what it's all about, you know, how it works. And then let's go ahead and right now, I want you to shuffle your deck and pull a card. And I want you to look at that card and just write down everything you see. And, you know, don't interpret it. Just write down what you see. Now, we're going to take a moment and we, uh, then then I'm using this as an example. Now I'm going to want to interact with people. So I might say, okay, I want to volunteer. Could somebody just tell me, just read what you wrote about the card. So I'm pointing at you, Bree. Tell me what you, what card you pulled and what you wrote. And then I would allow the student to talk, maybe pick one or two more. And then I would start going into the next part of what I want to teach from that. And then we'll have another exercise. You know, I want to make sure there's exercise, there's interaction interspersed with me blabbing. Um, so I think those are really important things. And then, of course, you want to close things off by letting people know, okay, this is, this is what we learned today. And going forward, um, this is your homework, or this is what I hope you do with this information. And I also might want to, you know, have something that I give them. If it's an in-person shop, in-person workshop, like it might be a handout or something of that nature, or it might be a copy of the book um, that I just wrote. You know, so you want them to walk away with a physical thing and at least one really good thing they can work with. So that's how I tend to do it. Now, as far as costs are concerned, I'm one of those people that I tend to err on the side of being a little too inexpensive for teaching because I always want to make sure that everybody can get access to the information. And so sometimes that actually um, bites me. Uh, in fact, I think Heather Lee Navarro told me, you're too cheap. You need to raise your rates. So <laughs> I love Heather Lee. Sounds like, sounds like Heather Lee, yeah, totally. She's so badass. But I think it's really, I think she's really important that um, there's a point to that. If you're not charging enough, oftentimes, too, people don't value the information that they're getting. So I would say take some time to ponder on a price that feels right. People are paying you for your time and your experience. So, you know, you certainly don't want to walk away with a couple of dollars if you've put in 30 years in your field and you put a lot of time into creating that class. So what about you? What's your advice about how you put a class together and the rates you charge? Well, I mean, I really love what you said. Um, as far as the rates that you charge, one thing to consider is are you providing any materials? And if you are, because, you know, right, I often will do ritual as part of my workshop. So I may be providing little bottles or I might be providing, you know, raw materials like salt or sugar or dried herbs or ribbon or oil. Right. Um, so think about, you know, if, if there are materials involved with your workshop, 
think about a couple of things with respect to them. Think about, um, you know, make sure that you order whatever you need to order or you make whatever you need to make with plenty of time before the workshop happens. Make sure that getting the materials from point A to point B is something that you thought about and you've got that figured out. Um, if you're flying, for instance, there are certain things that you can't have in your carry-on. And then make sure that the cost of those materials has been factored into the workshop. Um, when it comes to charging, another thing to be aware of is if you are doing a workshop um, at a specific venue, you know, different venues have different, um, you know, methods of working with presenters. One is that you simply rent the venue, and so then the price of that also needs to be factored into the teaching. Um, another is that the venue will actually split the workshop proceeds with you. So, you know, it might be 50-50. So if, if you're doing a workshop that's $50 per ticket, then you may walk away with 25 and the place that you're doing the workshop may walk away with 25 So, you know, these are just things to kind of keep in mind as you are pricing out your workshop, there are definitely questions that you need to have answered before you settle on a definitive price. Another thing to consider, of course, is how many people do you want to have attend? You know, I tend to like smaller, more intimate gatherings, um, which means that sometimes the price is a little bit higher, right? Because I'm not, I'm not doing volume. I'm not going to have like a thousand people. I'd right. rather have 30 people that I actually get to have more one-on-one -on -one time with. So, you know, these are all things to, to just kind of keep in mind and and consider as you're doing, as, as you're, you know, creating your plan. And and I, th I think that if you do that, then you're in really good shape. Um, and then as far as organization, you know, the, the, the one thing that I think is really important um, because I've seen it and I've had it happen to me, um, as an attendee of various workshops is if your workshop lasts for more than an hour and a half, you need to have a break in your workshop. You need to have a good 10 to 15 minute break that allows people to get up, to move around, to move their bodies, to go to the bathroom, to get water in their water bottles or get coffee or whatever. Um, you know, you can't, especially if you're delivering a lecture-heavy workshop, you cannot expect people to just sit there for an hour and a half um, or, or two hours or three hours and not give them a chance to move around. And so in your overall workshop structure, you need to put those breaks in as well because those are going to determine the amount of time you have for everything else. Right on. That is such good advice, especially about having a little break because nothing worse than sitting, 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 and there's no time to get up and, you know, do your business. So I love that. And stretch your legs. So I have a question yeah. for you. When I think yeah. that's a question that nobody, that makes people a little uncomfortable, but I think people wonder, so what if you create this fabulous workshop? It's the best. It's the best one you've ever done, and nobody shows. Nobody signs up, or you only have two people signing up. Okay, so I am a great person to ask this question to. Yeah, because you know that in my former life, I had a bookstore in San Francisco, and part of what we did were discussion classes for adults, 
And some of the books that we read were like really complicated, hard books, like Democracy in America, right? Um, or The Brothers Karamazov by Leo Tolstoy. These are not like thin, simple books. These are like heavy, meaty, complicated works. So we had my, my business partner, who's also my best girlfriend and I, we had, uh, we had a company ethos from day one, which was, you know, we're going to make these seminars available. And if only one person shows up, we are going to bring our absolute A game. And that one person is going to have an amazing seminar experience. Mm -hmm. And I have carried that with me into my work as a sacred artist. So, you know, what, whenever I am doing something where there's a group component, um, if I only have one person or three people or five people show up, my attitude is that I am just as on top of my game. I am just as excited. I am just as professional and I am just as thrilled to work with these people as I would be if I had a hundred or a thousand or five hundred thousand, right? And actually me being me, I prefer smaller, more intimate groups. That's my, you know, preferred way of, of relating to people. So, so, you know, I think that even if you have one or two people show up, um, you bring your A game. You, mm-hmm. you are a total professional and you bring your A game. And, you know, I, I've also seen Interesting things happen. You know, one of my friends um, did a workshop, and she was sure because of her name recognition that it would sell out, and it didn't sell out. And not only did it not sell out, but, like, the room was going to be less than half full. But, and she was worried about the optics of that, how that would look. So she actually contacted everyone that had paid to attend and was like, hey, um, you know, true but awkward story. The workshop is only halfway full. I would love to invite you to bring a friend for free. Mm. And so they did that, and it was, like, this amazing experience. Like, all around, everybody really loved it. So, you know, same thing. I mean, I've done events where there's only been three or four people, and those three or four people are some of my most, even today, like, diehard fans and clients and anytime I make anything available they're the first people to sign up so like it is it really you just never know and and numbers are important but they're not everything and they don't tell the whole story they only tell one very specific part of the story so like you know if you only have one person show up you make it an amazing experience for them probably you're going to have a phenomenal bond with that person for the rest of your career. And you also look at things practically and say, well, how did I market this? Or how did I present this um, that wasn't as effective? What can I do next time to make sure I have more people show up? Um, And that'll take care of it. So that's my take on it, Teresa. What about yours? What do you think? Because that is a tough situation. It, it is a tough situation, and I think it, it really is going to depend. Sometimes it may be wiser to cancel it, um, mm-hmm. you know, if there's enough time to do that. Other times you just got to show up and be a pro and do the best damn job and make sure those people walk out feeling completely spoiled. 
Um, so that that's my theory. Now, for my yoga studio, when it's only one student, I always cancel the class because it's like that's mm-hmm. just not worth it for me. But if it's a workshop that I'm doing, let's say a tarot workshop or something like that, if I only have one person, I'm still showing up and I'm going to do the job. So, yes. you know, I'm going to make sure that it's worth their time. One of the most interesting experiences I had was one time I taught, I, I wasn't teaching a class, I was attending a workshop that Alex Franzen taught. And it was in Minnesota. And there was this huge storm that happened the day before. And so, you know, I was at my hotel and, and then I parked my car and I'm like, I saw these trees down. I'm like, holy cats. And I got in there, there was no electricity. It was hot. It was the middle of a heat wave. So everybody's phones were dying and laptops were dying because, you know, these, some of these people were locals. Um, and electricity was out in that whole neighborhood. I mean, it could have been just the most miserable experience. But, you know, Alex Franzen, it didn't matter. She was a class act. She taught an amazing workshop. We sweated our way through it. And the the second day we show up, there were still out of electricity. And as soon as the workshop ended, the electricity came on. And I'm just like, now that is grace under pressure. So, you know, there are times where maybe there's only one person showing up or maybe your electricity's out or maybe something happens that makes your workshop really feel like it's going to be a bit of a disaster. You just got to keep on going. You got to keep on going and be a pro. Mm -hmm. Only cancel if it makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. So I have, I have a final concluding question. Um, which is, why do a workshop in the first place? Like, we've oh talked goodness. about the how, and yeah. we've talked about the, you know, we've talked about the nuts and the books, but, like, why, when you talked about how books are calling cards, so why, why do a workshop? Why go to all the trouble to create one? Well, first of all, you know, when you get a book out there, people want to learn from you. They do, or they want to get to know you. So it's a way to connect with your audience. That's the first thing. It's a way also to help people to take the information in the book and actually do something with it. So you're not just giving them a book to read. You're giving them hands-on tools and experience so they can really make the most out of your book. And, you know, it's an opportunity also to make money from the book, too, because you're not just making money off the sales of the book, but having a workshop makes business sense. Because if you're suddenly teaching a workshop based on the book that you wrote, you know, it's again, it's a way to keep your business flowing from the book. So, I mean, just those reasons alone are are why you want to do a workshop. You know, and again, it's a way to keep your book also in the people's minds. So what about you? Why do you think, why do a workshop? I mean, I think those are pretty simplistic ideas, but they make the most sense. I love your ideas, and the only thing that I would add to it is, you know, a book, even a book that has how-to sections, right, um, is still, you know, there's an abstract quality to it. And a workshop makes that, brings the book and the message of the book down to earth. It gives people hands-on techniques that, the book may be speaking to, but, you know, for so many people, they need to see it. And and so I think that it's a real service that can actually help unfold your book for people, um, especially in this day and age where, like, 
video is so popular, image is so powerful, and, you know, some people have a hard time uh, paying attention and sticking with a book for a long period of time. So I think a workshop can really make it make the points that you're making accessible in a different but related way. So I, that's one of the reasons I think they're so important. Absolutely. And, you know, I love attending workshops, both online and off. When I can, when I have the time, it, I, it just really helps to cement the information um, and I love connecting with, you know, if I'm taking a class from someone, I love connecting with the people and hearing how they teach. I, I just recently took a little online course with uh, Chani Nicholas, uh, who's an astrologer, and it was uh, an interesting course about money and astrology, and I just thought it was really fascinating, and I, I love her work, and I walked away learning a couple new things, even though I've been looking at astrology for a long time. So, you know, I certainly enjoy workshops. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. So that wraps up our episode of Talking Shop. We have covered a lot of ground in this one. Teresa, what was your biggest takeaway from our discussion? Mm, There's so many takeaways from that. You know, I don't know. I think everything that we talked about here is is so important. Um, Hmm. I think a lot of your practical advice about, you know, um, pulling different workshops out of the books, like the 78 cards for a tarot book was really a pretty brilliant thing. You, I love your creative tips about that. So that, I think, was a really great takeaway. I, w- I had never thought of turning uh, a tarot book into 78, car- 78 classes, so I love that. What about you? What was your favorite takeaway that from what we just talked about, Bree? I love everything that you say always. Of course, you know that. But I really liked your point of, you know, when you're teaching, you have got to resist the urge to cram everything in. Mm-hmm. You keep it simple. You keep it focused. One thing, you know, and I and I think that is so important, and it really is what separates masterful teachers from rookie teachers, you know, and so I, I love that. Thank you. Well, this was certainly – a very informative work, uh, workshop <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> it is like a workshop, right? But it's it very is. informative for everybody who's listening in. And so, you guys, uh, before we do sign off, a uh, little reminder, if you love Talking Shop, and we sure hope you do, don't forget that you can listen to all of our previous shows for free on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. You're just, what I'm gonna, you're just going to want to search for Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, and you're going to find all the episodes there. Uh, you can also visit Talking Shop on my website, thetarolady.com. You want to go to podcasts, click on that, hop on down to Talking Shop. Everything's there. And Bree, where can they find Talking Shop on your site? So head over to com. Click on free resources and you will find both the archive shows and the current show right there. And for everyone who is listening, again, if you do like the show, do us a solid and leave a kind review on iTunes because that's going to help more metaphysical business owners find their way to Talking Shop. And that's a wrap for this episode. So please join us again next month for another round of Talking Shop. Until then, you can find me, Teresa, at thetarolady.com. And you can find me, Bree, at BrianaSaucy.com. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Keep taking action to build the mystical businesses of your dreams. 
Stay on your grind and make it a great month. We know that you will. 